0: We are looking at the book of 1 Peter. I chose it for our uh, season of uh, remote worship through through COVID-19 because it is a letter written to a church that is struggling. And certainly during this season, we find ourselves struggling with the realities of the world around us. And the primary point of the book is for readers to have their strong sense of identity be anchored In who we are in Jesus Christ in what he has done for us and in our citizenship in the kingdom of God a citizenship that is primary over anything else in our lives in our experience and the first thing we find in order to guard our identity is that we must guard our souls In verse 11, we read, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your souls. Our culture makes light of sin. It makes it sort of cute and fun to to dabble in things that aren't what we know are right, to do the things that are a little bit on the edge and then further down and then over the edge. But scripture says those sinful desires war against your soul. What they do is they pull you into a different sense of identity than who you, than the identity you have in Jesus Christ. So sinful desires wage war against you. Deciding to follow those desires rather than your relationship with God is a decision to choose against the health of your soul. In um, chapter 1, verse 14, we read this. Do not conform to the evil desires when you lived in ignorance. We now have a new identity. We now are made new in Jesus Christ. We now have a relationship with God. We know. We know what life truly is because we now have a relationship with our Creator. How foolish it would be for us then to choose to live as if we don't know this. So do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Remember we talked about that evil desires being desires for anything that reestablish our foundation upon anything other than our identity in Jesus Christ. We're reminded of Romans twelve two 2, where, where we read, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be made new in Christ, live in that new identity and guard yourself against anything that would rob you of that connection with God in Jesus Christ. Guarding our souls, we also are called to guard our freedom. Now hear me on this. When we read in uh, verse 16, live as free people, that does not mean that we demand our freedoms and we march on our state capitals. Uh, That's not the kind of freedom this is talking about. This is talking about our freedom in our new identity with Christ and look at how we experience that freedom. Just reading a few words beyond Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil and live as God's slaves." In Romans 6, Paul speaks about freedom and slavery. He speaks about how no one is truly free. We all uh, answer to something, be it that something of our own creation, something of our culture's creation. We all get our sense of self, our sense of identity, our sense of worth from something. Be it our career, be it our family, whatever it might be, we are all seeking to serve something. Paul and Romans 6 and Bob Dylan both say the same thing. You got to serve somebody. It's just how the human heart works. And what Peter is telling us here is to make sure that we serve God, that we are slaves to God. Now we'll get into the concept of slavery in just a bit. And and the concept sort of, it, it jars us because we know that slavery is an inhumane thing. But when scripture teaches about the slavery here, slave to God, it means give yourself completely to God. Let God direct your steps. And when you do, This is the amazing thing. When you make yourself a servant or a slave to God, when you put his will before your own, that is when you find freedom. Our world says that freedom is the lack of restraint, the lack of any constraint, the lack of any restraint, the the lack of anyone telling us not to do anything, the ability to do whatever we feel like whenever we feel like doing it. But that is not true freedom. That is being a slave to our own impulses. That is being a slave to our own desires. Philosophers and theologians have have understood this well, and and one of the best illustrations I, I can I, I've come across about this is that we a fish a fish is most free when that fish is in the water. Now a fish living in an aquarium might look out and see a room outside the aquarium that's much bigger, much more expansive than the aquarium in which it's living, and the fish might decide that. The life is better out there and try to jump out. Well, what happens to that fish when it jumps out of the aquarium? It starts to die because fish were made for water. You were made for a relationship with God. You were made to live in relationship with God. So if you are trying to find your sense of identity, trying to find your best life outside of a relationship with God, what you're doing is contributing not to life, but ultimately to death. Guard your soul, guard your freedom by submitting to God. And finally, guard your witness. And there are two ways that Peter, two examples Peter gives of guarding our witness. First, He says we are to guard our witness in regard to governing authorities. Let's go back up to verse 12 first. Live such good lives among the pagans, which means unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. We are to live exemplary lives, lives that... Um, model who Jesus Christ is, how Jesus Christ responded to people because Jesus Christ responded to people the way God the Father responds to people. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So we are called to live as those who are in Christ. And when people see us, they should see Christ at work within us. But people don't all appreciate the work of God, the kingdom of God. They want to establish their own identities. They want to find freedom, which they cannot find, but they want to try to find freedom in lack of restraint. And we are to live in such a way that when God returns, it says, when he visits us, verse 12, they will see our good deeds and give glory to God. In other words, they will see that we have chosen well and that they will be grateful for the example that we have set for them. In verse 15, by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now, I don't wanna go too far down this road, but uh, if you are on social media, you may see a lot of ignorant talk from a lot of foolish people. We don't have to be socially connected again. In our social distance, we can still see ignorant talk from foolish people. And what um, Peter tells us to do is to live in such a way that we silence that talk, that talk when it is, speaking about us the people in peter's day the people to whom peter is writing are people who have been who are being who are being criticized for their relationship with god criticized for failing to live as the world around them is living and they are told that they are foolish in doing so but what Peter says is live such lives that they they are forced to see the goodness of God's ways as they are exemplified in and through you. And I want to remind us all that the credibility of the gospel we preach, the credibility of the gospel we claim, depends on the credibility of our lives. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you post will influence how someone views your credibility. So make sure when you say something that it is true. Make sure when you post something that it is true. Make sure when you do something that it is right because your your role on this earth is to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. If you are living in such a way that is more earthly than kingdom oriented, then your witness is ineffective. It's made less effective at least. So be very careful with your witness. And how then does Peter tell us to be careful with our witness in regard to governing authorities? And this is where this passage gets a little more tricky. It says that we are to um, show respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. In verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Now, this does not mean that everything every government has ever done or ever will do is right. But it does mean that God, generally speaking, has placed government authorities in the positions they have. Now, I've heard in recent years through a couple different, very different administrations, people say, well, you know, people should just support those in office because of the office. And I think that is true, and I think that goes along with what Peter is saying. The problem is, the people who say it are usually only speaking those words when their person is in office. And when the other person, the other party, is in office, they don't think that way at all. But they wish everyone else would. Now, as believers, according to what Peter is telling us here, we are to submit to human authorities. Now, the word submit is, it's an ugly, ugly word in our vernacular, in what people think when they, when they see that word. They think, oh, that's so un-American to submit. But I want to help us understand that the word submit as it truly is meant in the Greek is a beautiful word. Number one, the word submit is in the middle voice, which means that you choose it. So rather than what we think when we say, well, we submit, we, we don't have power in submitting. We actually do have power in submitting because we choose to submit. Now, and submit does not mean to just let someone walk all over you. Submit means to be supportive so that those above you can flourish. So what we desire is for the best possible existence of our world, of our, of our state, of our, of our country. So when we submit, and the word is tasso, which means, hupo means um, to get under and lift up. When we get under and lift up, we are hoping and working toward the betterment of our society, Now, we may not agree with everything that a particular government proposes, but we are called to, as believers, generally speaking, most generally speaking, abide by the rules, abide by the laws. Now, there have been times in history where there is a greater law that comes into play. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and a number of others during the Nazi era realized that their commitment to God and to God's goodness had to overshadow their commitment to what Nazis were doing in Germany. Peter himself said to um, the leaders, we must obey God rather than humans as recorded in acts 529 so there are times when god's law supersedes the laws of the land but by general principle we are to be good citizens and then we get into the next section Verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. We know in 21st century America that slavery is a horrible, horrible thing. Our own nation's history with slavery is ugly, and we do not celebrate it in any way. And we wonder therefore, why then does Peter not say slaves rise up against your masters and tell them that this institution is wrong? Well, for one, one third of the Roman citizens were slaves. It was the way their economy worked. Now, that does not mean that we say, well, because it was okay then, and there might be an economy that works that way now, that we who can make these decisions say it's okay. The slaves in that time had no decision to make. They had no power to overcome this evil. So what God said to do through the Apostle Peter was to be good slaves, to hupotasso their owners. Now, we don't have the same kind of thing in in our world as far as slavery, but some of you work for people who are not good people. They do not treat you well. And you are allowed to look for another job it's not like the slavery of the of the Roman era where they were stuck. You can look for another job, but while you have that job, the counsel of Peter, which is the counsel of God in the inspired word of God, is to bear up under it, to be a model employee, not to be one who causes arguments, not to be one who um, lifts yourself up, but one who for the good of the company, the good of your fellow employees, serves well. And in verse 19 and verse 20, we find the word commendable in the the New International Version. It is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. In verse 20, it is commendable before God if you suffer for do, for doing good and endure it. Now, commendable sounds, um, it still might bother us a bit to, to think that it is a good thing to suffer. We don't like those ideas, but what the word, the root of the word is charis, which means grace. It is a grace when you bear up under suffering. It is a grace when you support the overall company, even when your boss mistreats you. And then Peter makes his um, point very clearly by saying, we follow Jesus Christ. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly even though he was unjustly judged. He knew that the purposes of God would not be thwarted by what was happening to him as he was led to the cross. We can be confident that the purposes of God will not be thwarted when we are called to suffer, to struggle. In fact, the purposes of God were accomplished through Christ's struggling, through his suffering. And there may be times when you are called to struggle or suffer, and your witness to the strength of God working in and through you is a witness that will help people to see Jesus Christ in and through you. There was a a story told by a Lutheran pastor who uh, was in a, a meeting with the daughter of a Lutheran pastor who was 18 18 years old in the the mid-60s. This woman's name is Vivian Jenkins Nelson. She was in a room with Martin Luther King Jr. right before the March on Selma. She got angry at Dr. King, and she said, Dr. King, I think we need to shoot the white people because they just don't get it. And she said, Dr. King walked over to her and held both of her hands, looked intently into her eyes and said, if we follow your way, then everyone dies. You have to trust us that the way of peace is the way of life for everyone. We need to trust that God's ways are the ways of life that God will work through whatever we are called to endure. And we do that because we have a depth of strength that comes into our hearts by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, by reminding ourselves of the promises of God, the truth of those promises, the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. And then, as it said, we look again at verse 12, even though they accuse you of wrongdoing on the day that God visits us they will see your good deeds they will understand that you were doing what was right and good and honoring to God and therefore you were bearing witness to the goodness of God. Now just one caveat before I wrap this up people have used this passage to tell people to bear up, to, to just deal with very difficult situations. Slaves were told, slave, obey your master no matter what. And therefore, they use this idea to justify the institution. Now, we live in a time when we have recognized slavery for what it is. And that. Recognition came through people, not the people generally who were being enslaved. They didn't have the power to make the change, but people outside of that recognized how bad this was. Many of them were Christians who said, God values all people. We cannot let this go on. So. If you read this passage and read that we are to bear up under struggling, suffering and struggle, that does not mean that you should allow other people to have to bear up under struggling and suffering if you have a voice, if you have strength to help them. Because once again, the main point is our witness our witness to who God is, our witness to what God is doing in the world, and our witness to God's kingdom. In all you do, guard your soul so that your relationship with God can be your deepest sense of identity. Guard your freedom. In other words, live as who you were created to be like a fish was created to live in water, you are created to live in relationship with God and guard your witness that the world may see in you the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.